36. Asserting it, it betook itself to flight and it fell from the sky, and was drunk up by the dry earth, where, being imprisoned for a long time, it did penance for its sin. 1272. A fable. The razor having one day come forth from the handle which serves as its sheath and having placed himself in the sun they saw the sun reflected in his body, which filled him with great pride, and turning it over in his thoughts he began to say to himself, and shall I return again to that shop from which I have just come? Certainly not, such splendid beauty shall not, please God, be turned to such base uses. What folly it would be that could lead me to shave the lathered beards of rustic peasants and perform such menial service. Is this body destined for such work? Certainly not. I will hide myself in some retired spot and there pass my life in tranquil repose. And having thus remained hidden for some months, one day he came out into the air, and issuing from his sheath, saw himself turned to the similitude of a rusty soul while his surface no longer reflected the resplendent sun. With useless repentance he vainly deplored the irreparable mischief saying to himself, Oh, how far better was it to employ at the barbers my lost edge of such exquisite keenness. Where is that lustrous surface? It has been consumed by this vexatious and insightly rust. The same thing happens to those minds which instead of exercise give themselves up to sloth. They are like the razor here spoken of, and lose the keenness of their edge, while the rust of ignorance spoils their form. A fable. A stone of some size recently uncovered by the water lay on a certain spot somewhat raised, and just where a delightful grove ended by a stony road, here it was surrounded by plants decorated by various flowers of diverse colors, and as it saw the great quantity of stones collected together in the roadway below, it began to wish it could let itself fall down there, saying to itself, what have I to do here with these plants, I want to live in the company of those, my sisters and letting itself fall, its rapid course ended among these longed-for companions, when it had been there some time it began to find itself constantly toiling under the wheels of the carts the iron shoot feet of horses and of travelers, this one rolled it over, that one trod upon it, sometimes it lifted itself a little and then it was covered with mud or the dung of some animal, and it was in vain that it looked at the spot whence it had come as a place of solitude and tranquil place. Thus it happens to those who choose to lead a life of solitary contemplation, and come to live in cities among people full of infinite evil. 1273. Some flames had already lasted in the furnace of a glass blower, when they saw a candle approaching in a beautiful and glittering candlestick. With ardent longing they strove to reach it, and one of them, quitting its natural course, writhed up to an unburdered brand on which it fed and passed at the opposite end out by a narrow chink to the candle which was near. It flung itself upon it, and with fierce jealousy and greediness it devoured it, having reduced it almost to death, and, wishing to procure the prolongation of its life, it tried to return to the furnace whence it had come, but in vain, for it was compelled to die, the wood perishing together with the candle, being at last converted, with lamentation and repentance, into foul smoke, while leaving all its sisters in brilliant and enduring life and beauty. 1274 a small patch of snow finding itself clinging to the top of a rock which was lying on the topmost height of a very high mountain and being left to its own imaginings, it began to reflect in this way, saying to itself, Now, shall not I be thought vain and proud for having placed myself such a small patch of snow in so lofty a spot, and for allowing that so large a quantity of snow as I have seen here around me, should take a place lower than mine? 
Certainly my small dimensions by no means merit this elevation. How easily may I in proof of my insignificance, experience the same fate as that which the sun brought about yesterday to my companions, who were all, in a few hours, destroyed by the sun, and this happened from their having placed themselves higher than became them. I will flee from the wrath of the Sunday and humble myself and find a place befitting my small importance. Thus, flinging itself down, it began to descend, hurrying from its high home onto the other snow, but the more it sought a low place the more its bulk increased, so that when at last its course was ended on a hill, it found itself no less in size than the hill which supported it, and it was the last of the snow which was destroyed that summer by the sun. This is said for those who, humbling themselves, become exalted. Fables on Plants 1275-1279-1275. The cedar, being desirous of producing a fine and noble fruit at its summit, set to work to form it with all the strength of its sap. But this fruit, when grown, was the cause of the tall and upright treetop being bent over. The peach, being envious of the vast quantity of fruit which she saw born on the nut tree, her neighbor, determined to do the same and loaded herself with her own in such a way that the weight of the fruit pulled her up by the roots and broke her down to the ground. The nut tree stood always by a roadside displaying the wealth of its fruit to the passers-by, and everyone cast stones at it. The fig tree, having no fruit, no one looked at it, then, wishing to produce fruits that it might be praised by men, it was bent and broken down by them. The fig tree, standing by the side of the elm and seeing that its boughs were a bare of fruit, yet that it had the audacity to keep the sun from its own and ripe figs with its branches, said to it, O Elm, art thou not ashamed to stand in front of me? But wait till my offspring are fully grown and you will see where you are. But when her offspring were mature, a troop of soldiers coming by fell upon the fig tree and her figs were all torn off her, and her boughs cut away and broken. Then, when she was thus maimed in all her limbs, the Elm asked her, saying, O fig tree, which was best, to be without offspring, or to be brought by them into so miserable a plight. 1276. The plant complains of the old and dry stick which stands by its side and of the dry sticks that surround it. One keeps it upright, the other keeps it from low company. 1277. A fable. A nut, having been carried by a crow to the top of a tall campanile and released by falling into a chink from the mortal grip of its beak. It prayed the wall by the grace bestowed on it by God in allowing it to be so high and thick, and to own such fine bells and of so noble a tone, that it would succor it, and that, as it had not been able to fall under the verdurous boughs of its venerable father and lie in the fat earth covered up by his fallen leaves it would not abandon it, because, finding itself in the beak of the cruel crow, it had there made a vow that if it escaped from her it would end its life in a little hole. At these words the wall, moved to compassion, was content to shelter it in the spot where it had fallen, and after a short time the nut began to split open and put forth roots between the rifts of the stones and push them apart, and to throw out shoots from its hollow shell, and, to be brief, these rose above the building and the twisted roots, growing thicker, began to thrust the walls apart, and tear out the ancient stones from their old places, then the wall too late and in vain bewailed the cause of its destruction and in a short time, it wrought the ruin of a great part of it. 1278. A fable. The privet feeling its tender boughs loaded with young fruit, pricked by the sharp claws and beak of the insolent blackbird, 
complained to the blackbird with piteous remonstrance entreating her that since she stole its delicious fruits she should not deprive it of the leaves with which it preserved them from the burning rays of the Sunday and that she should not divest it of its tender bark by scratching it, with her sharp claws, to which the blackbird replied with angry upbraiding, oh be silent, and cultured shrub, do you not know that nature made you produce these fruits for my nourishment, do you not see that you are in the world only to serve me as food, do you not know, base creature, that next winter you will be food and pray for the fire, to which words the tree listened patiently, and not without tears, after a short time the blackbird was taken in a net and boughs were cut to make a cage, in which to imprison her, branches were cut, among others from the pliant privet, to serve for the small rods of the cage, and seeing herself to be the cause of the blackbird's loss of liberty it rejoiced and spoke as follows, O blackbird, I am here, and not yet burnt by fire as you said, I shall see you in prison before you see me burnt, a fable, the laurel and the myrtle seeing the pear tree cut down cried out with a loud voice, O pear tree, whither are you going, where is the pride you had when you were covered with ripe fruits, now you will no longer shade us with your massive leaves, then the pear tree replied, I am going with the husbandman who has cut me down and who will take me to the workshop of a good sculptor who by his art will make me take the form of Jove the God, and I shall be dedicated in a temple, and adored by men in the place of Jove, while you are bound always to remain maimed and stripped of your boughs, which will be placed round me to do me honor. A fable, the chestnut, seeing a man upon the fig tree, bending its boughs down and pulling off the ripe fruits which he put into his open mouth destroying and crushing them with his hard teeth. It tossed its long boughs and with a noisy rustle exclaimed, Oh fig, how much less are you protected by nature than I see how in me my sweet offspring are set in close array, first clothed in soft wrappers over which is the hard but softly lined husk, and not content with taking this care of me, and having given them so strong a shelter. On this she has placed sharp and close-set spines so that the hand of man cannot hurt me. Then the fig tree and her offspring began to laugh and having laughed she said, I know man to be of such ingenuity that with rods and stones and stakes flung up among your branches he will bereave you of your fruits, and when they are fallen, he will trample them with his feet or with stones, so that your offspring will come out of their armor, crushed and maimed, while I am touched carefully by their hands, and not like you with sticks and stones. 1279. The Hapless Willow Finding that she could not enjoy the pleasure of seeing her slender branches grow or attain to the height she wished, or point to the sky, by reason of the vine and whatever other trees that grew near, but was always maimed and locked and spoiled, brought all her spirits together and gave and devoted itself entirely to imagination, standing plunged in long meditation and seeking, in all the world of plants, with which of them she might ally herself and which could not need the help of her wives. Having stood for some time in this prolific imagination, with a sudden flash the gourd presented itself to her thoughts and tossing all her branches with extreme delight. It seemed to her that she had found the companion suited to her purpose, because the gourd is more apity to bind others than to need binding. Having come to this conclusion she awaited eagerly some friendly bird who should be the mediator of her wishes. Presently seeing near her the magpie she said to him, Oh gentle bird! By the memory of the refuge which you found this morning among my branches, when the hungry cruel, and rapacious falcon wanted to devour you, and by that repose which you have always found in me when your wings craved rest, and by the pleasure you have enjoyed among my boughs, 
when playing with your companions or making love I entreat you find the gourd and obtain from her some of her seeds, and tell her that those that are born of them I will treat exactly as though they were my own flesh and blood, and in this way use all the words you can think of, which are of the same persuasive purport, though, indeed, since you are a master of language, I need not teach you, and if you will do me this service I shall be happy to have your nest in the fork of my boughs and all your family without payment of any rent. Then the magpie, having made and confirmed certain new stipulations with the willow, and principally that she should never admit upon her any snake or polecat, cocked his tail, and put down his head, and flung himself from the bough, throwing his weight upon his wings, and these, beating the fleeting air, now here, now there, bearing about inquisitively, while his tail served as a rudder to steer him, he came to a gourd, then with a handsome bow and a few polite words, he obtained the required seeds, and carried them to the willow, who received him with a cheerful face, and when he had scraped away with his foot a small quantity of the earth near the willow, describing a circle, with his beak he planted the grains, which in a short time began to grow, and by their growth in the branches to take up all the boughs of the willow, while their broad leaves deprived it of the beauty of the sun and sky and not content with so much evil, the gourds next began, by their root hold, to drag the ends of the tender shoots down towards the earth, with strange twisting and distortion, then, being much annoyed, it shook itself in vain to throw off the gourd, after raving for some days in such plans vainly, because the firm union forbade it, seeing the wine come by it commended itself to him, the wine flew hard and opened the old and hollow stem of the willow into down to the roots, so that it fell into two parts, in vain did it bewail itself recognizing that it was born to no good end, I I I, jests and tales, 1280, a jest, a priest, making the rounds of his parish on Easter Eve, and sprinkling holy water in the houses as is customary, came to a painter's room, where he sprinkled the water on some of his pictures, the painter turned round, somewhat angered, and asked him why this sprinkling had been bestowed on his pictures, then said the priest, that it was the custom and his duty to do so, and that he was doing good, and that he who did good might look for good in return, and, indeed, for better, since God had promised that every good deed that was done on earth should be rewarded a hundredfold from above, then the painter, waiting till he went out, went to an upper window and flung a large pail of water on the priest's back, saying, here is the reward a hundredfold from above, which you said would come from the good you had done me with your holy water, by which you have damaged my pictures. 1281. When wine is drunk by a drunkard, that wine is revenged on the drinker. 1282. Wine, the divine juice of the grape, finding itself in a golden and richly wrought cup, on the table of Muhammad, was puffed up with pride at so much honor, when suddenly it was struck by a contrary reflection, saying to itself, what am I about, that I should rejoice, and not perceive that I am now near to my death and shall leave my golden abode in this cup to enter into the foul and fetid caverns of the human body, and to be transmuted from a fragrant and delicious liquor into a foul and base one, nay, and as though so much evil as this were not enough, I must for a long time lie in hideous receptacles, together with other fetid and corrupt matter, cast out from human intestines, and it cried to heaven, imploring vengeance for so much insult, and that an end might henceforth be put to such contempt, and that, since that country produced the finest and best grapes in the whole world, at least they should not be turned into wine, 
Benzov made that wine drunk by Muhammad to rise in spirit to his brain, and that in so deleterious a manner that it made him mad, and gave birth to so many follies that when he had recovered himself, he made a law that no Asiatic should drink wine, and henceforth the vine and its fruit were left free. As soon as wine has entered the stomach it begins to ferment and swell, then the spirit of that man begins to abandon his body, rising as it were to skywards, and the brain finds itself parting from the body, then it begins to degrade him, and make him rave like a madman, and then he does irreparable evil, killing his friends. 1283. An artisan often going to visit a great gentleman without any definite purpose. The gentleman asked him what he did this for. The other said that he came there to have a pleasure which his lordship could not have, since to him it was a satisfaction to see men greater than himself. As is the way with the populace, while the gentleman could only see men of less consequence than himself, and so lords and great men were deprived of that pleasure. 1284. Franciscan begging friars are wont, at certain times, to keep fasts, when they do not eat meat in their convents, but on journeys, as they live on charity. They have license to eat whatever is set before them. Now a couple of these friars on their travels, stopped at an inn, in company with a certain merchant, and sat down with him at the same table, where, from the poverty of the inn, nothing was served to them but a small roast chicken. The merchant, seeing this to be but little even for himself, turned to the friars and said, If my memory serves me, you do not eat any kind of flesh in your convents at this season. At these words the friars were compelled by their rule to admit, without cavil, that this was the truth, so the merchant had his wish, and eat the chicken and the friars did the best they could. After dinner the messmates departed, all three together, and after traveling some distance they came to a river of some width and depth, all three being on foot the friars by reason of their poverty, and the other from avarice it was necessary by the custom of company that one of the friars, being barefoot, should carry the merchant on his shoulders, so having given his wooden shoes into his keeping, he took up his man, but it so happened that when the friar had got to the middle of the river, he again remembered a rule of his order, and stopping short, he looked up, like Saint Christopher, to the burden on his back and said, tell me, have you any money about you, you know I have, answered the other, how do you suppose that a merchant like me should go about otherwise, alack, cried the friar, our rules forbid us to carry any money on our persons, and forthwith he dropped him into the water, which the merchant perceived was a facetious way of being revenged on the indignity he had done them, so, with a smiling face, and blushing somewhat with shame, he peaceably endured the revenge, 1285, a jest, a man wishing to prove, by the authority of Pythagoras, that he had formerly been in the world, while another would not let him finish his argument. The first speaker said to the second, It is by this token that I was formerly here. I remember that you were a miller. The other one, feeling himself stung by these words, agreed that it was true, and that by the same token he remembered that the speaker had been the ass that carried the flower. A jest. It was asked of a painter why, since he made such beautiful figures, which were but dead things, his children were so ugly, to which the painter replied that he made his pictures by day and his children by night. 1286. A man saw a large sword which another one wore at his side. Said he, poor fellow, for a long time I have seen you tied to that weapon, why do you not release yourself as your hands are untied, and set yourself free? To which the other replied, this is none of yours, 
On the contrary it is an old story. The former speaker, feeling stung, replied, I know that you are acquainted with so few things in this world, that I thought anything I could tell you would be new to you. 1287. A man gave up his intimacy with one of his friends because he often spoke ill of his other friends. The neglected friend one day lamenting to this former friend, after much complaining, entreated him to say what might be the cause that had made him forget so much friendship, to which he answered, I will no longer be intimate with you because I love you, and I do not choose that you, by speaking ill of me, your friend, to others, should produce in others, as in me, a bad impression of yourself, by speaking evil to them of me, your friend, therefore, being no longer intimate together, it will seem as though we had become enemies, and in speaking evil of me, as is your want, you will not be blamed so much as if we continued intimate. 1288. A man was arguing and boasting that he knew many and various tricks. Another among the bystanders said, I know how to play a trick which will make whomsoever I like pull off his breeches. The first man the boaster said, You won't make me pull off mine, and I bet you a pair of hose on it. He who proposed the game, having accepted the offer, produced breeches and drew them across the face of him who bet the pair of hose and won the bet. A man said to an acquaintance, Your eyes are changed to a strange color. The other replied, It often happens, but you have not noticed it. When does it happen? said the former. Every time that my eyes see your ugly face. From the shock of so unpleasing a sight they suddenly turn pale and change to a strange color. A man said to another, Your eyes are changed to a strange color. The other replied, It is because my eyes behold your strange ugly face. A man said that in his country word are the strangest things in the world. Another answered, You, who were born there, confirm this as true, by the strangeness of your ugly face. 1289. An old man was publicly casting contempt on a young one, and boldly showing that he did not fear him, on which the young man replied that his advanced age served him better as a shield than either his tongue or his strength. 1290. A jest. A sick man finding himself in articulo mortis heard a knock at the door, and asking one of his servants who was knocking, the servant went out, and answered that it was a woman calling herself Madonna Bona. Then the sick man lifting his arms to heaven thanked God with a loud voice, and told the servants that they were to let her come in at once, so that he might see one good woman before he died, since in all his life he had never yet seen one. 1291. A jest. A man was desired to rise from bed, because the sun was already risen, to which he replied, If I had as far to go, and as much to do as he has, I should be risen by now, but having but a little way to go, I shall not rise yet. 1292. A man, seeing a woman ready to hold up the target for a jesting match, exclaimed, looking at the shield, and considering his spear, alack, this is too small a workman for so great a business. I.V. Prophecies, 1293, the division of the prophecies, first, of things relating to animals, secondly, of irrational creatures, thirdly of plants, fourthly, of ceremonies, fifthly, of manners, sixthly, of cases or edicts or quarrels, seventhly, of cases that are impossible in nature paradoxes, as, for instance, of those things which, the more is taken from them, the more they grow, and reserve the great matters till the end and the small matters give at the beginning, and first show the evils and then the punishment of philosophical things, of ants, these creatures will form many communities, 
which will hide themselves and their young ones and vittles in dark caverns, and they will feed themselves and their families in dark places for many months without any light, artificial or natural. Footnote, lines 1-5 liter are in the original written in one column, beginning with the text of line 11. At the end of the column is the program for the arrangement of the prophecies, placed here at the head, lines 56-79 form a second column. Lines 80-97 a third one see the reproduction of the text on the facsimile pi. CXVII. Another suggestion for the arrangement of the prophecies is to be found among the notes 55-57 on page 357. Of these, and many others will be deprived of their store and their food, and will be cruelly submerged and drowned by folks devoid of reason. O justice of God, why dost thou not wake and behold thy creatures thus ill-used, of sheep, cows, goats and the like. Endless multitudes of these will have their little children taken from them ripped open and flayed and most barbarously quartered, of nuts, and olives, and acorns, and chestnuts, and such like. Many offspring shall be snatched by cruel thrashing from the very arms of their mothers, and flung on the ground, and crushed, of children bound in bundles. O cities of the sea, in you I see your citizens both females and males tightly bound, arms and legs, with strong wives by folks who will not understand your language, and you will only be able to assuage your sorrows and lost liberty by means of tearful complaints and sighing and lamentation among yourselves, for those who will bind you will not understand you, nor will you understand them, of cats that eat rats, in you, O cities of Africa your children will be seen quartered in their own houses by most cruel and rapacious beasts of your own country, of asses that are beaten, O nature, Wherefore art thou so partial, being to some of thy children a tender and benign mother, and to others a most cruel and pitiless stepmother? I see children of thine given up to slavery to others, without any sort of advantage, and instead of remuneration for the good they do, they are paid with the severest suffering, and spend their whole life in benefiting those who ill-treat them. Of men who sleep on boards of trees, men shall sleep, and eat, and dwell among trees, in the forests and open country of dreaming, men will seem to see new destructions in the sky, the flames that fall from it will seem to rise in it and to fly from it with terror, they will hear every kind of animal speak in human language, they will instantaneously run in person in various parts of the world, without motion, they will see the greatest splendor in the midst of darkness, oh, marvel of the human race, what madness has led you thus, you will speak with animals of every species and they with you in human speech, you will see yourself fall from great heights without any harm and torrents will accompany you, and will mingle with their rapid course, of Christians, many who hold the faith of the Son only build temples in the name of the Mother, a food which has been alive, a great portion of bodies that have been alive will pass into the bodies of other animals, which is as much as to say, that the deserted tenements will pass piecemeal into the inhabited ones, furnishing them with good things, and carrying with them their evils, that is to say the life of man is formed from things eaten, and these carry with them that part of man which dies, 1294, of funeral rites, and processions, and lights, and bells, and followers, the greatest honors will be paid to men, and much pomp, without their knowledge, footnote, a facsimile of this text is on pi, cxvi below on the right, but the writing is larger than the other notes on the same sheet and of a somewhat different style, the ink is also of a different hue, as may be seen on the original sheet at Milan, 1295, of the Avaricious.
there will be many who will eagerly and with great care and solicitude follow up a thing, which, if they only knew its malignity, would always terrify them, of those men, who, the older they grow, the more avaricious they become, whereas, having but little time to stay, they should become more liberal, we see those who are regarded as being most experienced and judicious, when they least need a thing, seek and cherish it with most avidity, of the ditch, many will be busied in taking away from a thing, which will grow in proportion as it is diminished, of a weight placed on a feather pillow, and it will be seen in many bodies that by raising the head they swell visibly, and by laying the raised head down again, their size will immediately be diminished, of catching lice, and many will be hunters of animals, which, the fewer there are the more will be taken, and conversely, the more there are, the fewer will be taken, of drawing water into buckets with a single rope, and many will be busily occupied, though the more of the thing they draw up, the more will escape at the other end, of the tongues of pigs and calves in sausage skins, oh, how foul a thing, that we should see the tongue of one animal in the guts of another, of sieves made of the hair of animals, we shall see the food of animals pass through their skin every way excepting through their mouths, and penetrate from the outside downwards to the ground, of lanterns, the cruel horns of powerful bulls will screen the lights of night against the wild fury of the winds, of feather beds, flying creatures will give their very feathers to support men, of animals which walk on trees wearing wooden shoes, the mire will be so great that men will walk on the trees of their country, of the sole lace of shoes, which are made from the ox, and in many parts of the country men will be seen walking on the skins of large beasts, of sailing in ships, there will be great winds by reason of which things of the east will become things of the west, and those of the south, being involved in the course of the winds, will follow them to distant lands, of worshipping the pictures of saints, men will speak to men who hear not, having their eyes open, they will not see, they will speak to these, and they will not be answered, they will implore favors of those who have ears and hear not, they will make light for the blind, of sawyers, there will be many men who will move one against another, holding in their hands a cutting tool, but these will not do each other any injury beyond tiring each other, for, when one pushes forward the other will draw back, but woe to him who comes between them, for he will end by being cut in pieces, of silk spinning, dismal cries will be heard loud, shrieking with anguish, and the hoarse and smothered tones of those who will be despoiled, and at last left naked and motionless, and this by reason of the mover, which makes everything turn round, of putting bread into the mouth of the oven and taking it out again, in every city, land, castle and house, men shall be seen, who for want of food will take it out of the mouths of others, who will not be able to resist in any way, of tilled land, the earth will be seen turned upside down and facing the opposite hemispheres, and covering the lurking holes of the fiercest animals, of so, 